and welcome to Outside World Occultism. I'm Katya, and with me today are Nee, Hi! F. Hello. And Lavander. Hi. JT is currently quarantined due to a mysterious disease, probably too much GDQ hype. <laughs> so they won't be joining us today. Yeah, luckily we've got a good quarantine up here. We don't want an outbreak of gamers in this compound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> yes. So for today's episode, I kind of wanted to sort of take a look at the phrase everyone is gay in Gensokyo, take a look at what that actually means, and also talk about just kind of sexuality in Toho in general. Women be, they are. Yeah, whether it's in the text or the subtext. We're probably going to be retreading some of the ground from the gender episode because we did talk about sexuality a bit there. But I think it would be good to have a, you know, more in-depth and detailed discussion on this specific topic. It's also got a lot more explicit stuff in Toho about it besides just Miko is there. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Well, I mean, gender is everywhere regardless of whether it's... I don't want it to be! (laughs) (laughs) with your help we can change that yeah with with your help we can destroy gender forever but yeah so like you know obviously there's the meme everyone is getting in sokyo and it's kind of repeated a lot ironically unfortunately all of the time yeah Yeah, the obvious meaning of it is just you know you can't really ship the characters with anyone but other girls for the most part, and if you yeah. if you do ship a character with any of the male characters like that are in Toho, it's super creepy and weird, and I'm arresting you. You are under <laughs> arrest if you ship Rina Suke and Marisa. Right this yeah. second, you are under arrest and you will go to jail for life if you are convicted. Yeah, I'm manifesting <laughs> in your home right now. <laughs> it is kind of hard, even if you try to ship anyone other than either gay ships or Rinosuke with someone. Why does Undon never get shipped with anybody? Yeah, I think sums up the whole thing pretty well. Yeah, there's just this like dearth of male characters to do any kind of straight shipping with, so there's just this sort of general assumption that the characters in Toho are gay implicitly, but I think we can do a little bit better than that. People often consider this meme as sort of a joke yeah like a joke or a statement on the fandom itself but jokes on them everyone is gay in Gensokyo, or at least yeah. bisexual <laughs> i think there's quite a lot in the text to point to that suggests that this is more than just a fandom meme people will say that you know that's not really canon that everyone in Gensokyo is gay and i mean sure like well it's canon that people call girls cute who are other girls yeah, like, sure, you might be technically right in the fact that it's not a canon fact that literally every single character is gay. Yeah, Tsun doesn't exactly comment on that stuff a lot. You can't prove that Rumia has rabies. Rumia is gay because she's busy having rabies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm not sure I follow. <laughs> Rumia has rabies. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's her only character trait, and so, you know, there's not really much fertile ground to go over there with regards to discussing how gay Rumia is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe in her. I believe she can be, be gay anyway, though. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, there's actually quite a bit of just, like, not even subtext, but open text in the game or in not in the game but you know in, in Toho as a work in general in games too yes the games as well hmm. it's not just a side work thing for the people who are weird about side works mm-hmm. yeah there is definitely textual evidence that you can point to for characters being gay and I think probably the strongest example of this is actually Remo um, <laughs> main protagonist Raymond's rival crushes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back literally as far back as PC98, where Raymond is very enthusiastic about the prospect of marrying Mera. Even after Mera 
makes it extremely explicit that she is a woman. She also yeah. makes it extremely explicit that she's homophobic, but Reimu is 12 and doesn't understand that. <laughs> Shout out to Mayra, the only... Only straight Toho. Your great <laughs> representation, Mayra. Yes, thank you. We stand a homophobic queen. <laughs> um... <laughs> I guess now that we have the one straight toe point to, we can like even more safely say that everyone else can be gay since we have that one. Exactly. We have our token straight character. We don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> like this whole conversation where, you know, Mera uh, shows up at the shrine and she's like, like Raymond misinterprets her statement as like some Raymond. kind of offer of marriage. Raymu misinterprets... I want the Hakure, as in, I want the Hakure's hand in marriage, when it's, I want the Hakure's power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of a weird way to phrase it, if you think about it. Mira's joke is that she's constantly stumbling over her own words, especially since she stops talking in a supervillain sort of way near the end of the conversation and just goes, I don't want to lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, Reimu mistakes this to be an offer of marriage, and she gets very flirty, and... She says, well, I'll marry you if I win, too, then. <laughs> yeah. And Mera, you know, tries to backpedal, and she's like, oh, we're both girls, that's gross. So, like, this is a very clear and obvious example of, hey, Reimu likes girls. Like, that's just an undeniable fact. And of course, there's the Zoom comment that all the characters from PC-98 are still around and still doing their own thing, so... Yeah, so Mayra still being homophobic somewhere out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Living her dream. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, like, this is a very clear example of Reimu liking girls, and it's very clearly intended to be written that way, because, like, that's the joke of the scene, like... The joke of the scene is that Tamara is homophobic and Reimu has no idea what's happening with that. Yeah, she's just kind of flirting with her because of a misunderstanding, and Tamara doesn't like it. Reimu can't comprehend the concept. <laughs> Nobody ever explained homophobia to Reimu. Yeah, she was just busy being gay from day one. Yeah, and still didn't. She still hasn't needed to ever learn what it means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what a world. The, I guess, counter-arguments to this are either it's PC-98, that doesn't count, which is just like... You don't read, apparently, what's in Seth. Yeah, like, PC-98 is as much a part of Toho canon as anything else. It's not likely to be super relevant to the plot of a new game, but that's because most of the stuff in it is super low stakes. Yeah, and it was definitely written before Zun really... It's definitely Zun's more amateurish writing. Yeah, he was mm -hmm. a college student at the time he wrote most of the stuff besides Mystic Square. Yeah, so PC-98 is not a well that Zun is probably going to come back to anytime soon, but... But it is real. Yes. Yeah, it is no less real than Embodiment of Scarlet Devil or Mountain of Faith or Wily Beast and Weakest Creature. I would like it to be more real than Embodiment of Scarlet Devil. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> me too. Right. Bring back Mima, just for a cameo, please. Not to beat a dead meme, but just bring back Mima. Yeah. Imagine Marisa, like, quoting Mima in a random scene or something. Yeah, like, just yeah. any kind of reference to her. It doesn't even have to be actually Mima herself. There was a reference to her back in Embodiment of Scarlet Devil. That's right, there was, wasn't there? Because Marisa was just like, well, I wish that the person I know who enjoys being out at night was here instead of me, or something like that. Yeah. Mm. While talking to Rumia. Yeah, she makes like a reference to quote unquote that person, and it's, I think, very. Ray Musher sure doesn't like being out at night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty clearly a reference to Mima. No, obviously it's referencing Rin. Especially since, like, when you think about the fact that when Embodiment of Scarlet Devil came out, the previous game had Mima in it, so. Yeah, it had Mima in it, and it had Mima in a starring role. Yeah, yeah, so it was still a fresh reference to a character that, you know, does not have the meme status that Mima currently does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from like a contemporary point of view, I suppose there was no like clear barrier between the two games. Yeah, I really think that only came about at the time of 
perfect memento in strict sense to the same degree it ha is today because it made it seem like the old games weren't connected in the same way yeah yeah well i mean i think it is a valid argument that they're not connected in the same way they're not connected in the same way definitely but they are connected yeah so all of this is just to say that like pc98 canon is canon yeah there's also arguments for Remu being super gay in the modern games too, but... Before we get to the modern games, I would like to also say that, like, the other thing that people say about the Meira Remu interaction is that this idea that Remu has somehow mistaken Meira for a man because of her style of dress or whatever, but it's not... This isn't indicated in any way by the text whatsoever. It's actually the opposite that's indicated because Remu continues flirting even after Meira says, that I'm a woman, that's gross. She literally says, but we're both girls, that's gross. And Remu doesn't give any sort of indication that this is shocking news to her. She's just like, yeah. <laughs> so? Yeah, when are you uh, giving me the ring, huh? Exactly. So yeah, I think just based off of this sole interaction, we can safely establish that Raymoon does, in fact, like girls. And yeah. that's just canon, and it, this is a part of canon that seems to most commonly be relegated to sort of the sort of fanon sphere, you know, for shipping mm. and stuff. But it is just sort of a fact about Raymoon that she likes girls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it is kind of muddled by the fact that, like, Sun doesn't really... Zoom doesn't deal with romance that much. Yeah. Yeah. So even if everyone... Besides, like, a couple joking flirtations. Yeah. Which means that even if anyone can be gay without ever being explicitly stated by Zoom, because he doesn't really show their explicit romances in either direction. Yeah, even though I think that a lot of Wild and Horn Hermit is pretty explicit in being super gay. I think, you know, like, semantically speaking, that's the thing that it never really crosses what I consider, in the sense of the word, explicit. It would be considered explicit if it was a heterosexual romance. Yeah, but before we get to that... To skip ahead, maybe, a little bit, I think that Zun mostly writes, and I think we've discussed this in several other episodes, he mostly writes character relationships, like, in the middle of things. So yeah. they're basically already married or whatever, or, you know, already in a... <laughs> It's complicated thing between Raymu, Marisa, Sane, Alice, whatever. He doesn't write the starts of relationships often. He can write the meeting of the characters, but then he'll write like a, a little bit later about the characters just knowing each other already. Take Alice, for example. In her first game, she just met the characters, and then the next game, she was treating them like old frenemies. <laughs> and Raymu had forgotten about her. What? By that point, Raymu had, like, forgotten about her. She was just like, who are you again? Good old Raymu. <laughs> Tureki then, like, recently showed that Raymu has a canon habit of forgetting about older games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all stuff in the past for her. Like, it's just whatever. She forgets about incidents when she's being interviewed about them. I don't think that he ever intends to remember anything. Yeah, she's putting it behind her. She's moving on from the drama. <laughs> Leaving behind all the haters and fake friends. <laughs> That's an interesting name for this card, Little Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> which of the Scarlet Devil Mansion residents are haters and which ones are fake friends? <laughs> I think they're all haters. Except maybe Flandre. Flandre is a fake friend. That seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah, speaking of Flandre, there is a moment in Embodiment of Scarlet Devil where Marisa references the fact that Raymond likes girls. She offers to introduce Flandre to a girl at the shrine, so when Flandre's talking about being married. And I don't think that's super weird because I think they're like 14 at that time. Yeah, they're pretty close in age at that point. I mean, like age in quotation marks. It would be kind of weird for Bernice nowadays to say that sort of thing. She'd seem like a weird <laughs> uncle who, like, makes jokes about to you flirting with other family members, which is just gross. Yeah, I don't really think that it was meant to be, like, a serious offer to set Flandre up with Remu. No, I don't think that she was saying propose to Remu with flowers and wine and she'll 
fall head over heels for you, but I, it was a reference to Hey Remuge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be a kind of a weird reference to make if she wasn't. It's basically the point. Marisa says something like, I'll introduce you to a girl at the shrine. Well, yeah, but before that, she like talks about marriage, and Fawn's like, like marry who? She's like asking, who am I supposed to marry? And Marisa's just like, oh, I know this girl at the shrine. <laughs> Like, which only really makes sense if Reimu is gay mm-hmm. in this context. She could have just as easily made a joke about some village boy that she knew. Right. If Reimu wasn't yeah. gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and if she wasn't immediately assuming that Flandre was gay too. Yeah. Which, yeah. because it's the norm. <laughs> <laughs> Flandre makes no objection to that, so you can say Flandre's gay too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have two gay canon tohos now. <laughs> I don't, think Someone keep it. <laughs> I don't think we're going to go through this character by character, but... Um... If we do, I want to talk about the time that Yukari calls Aya cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, Yukari's gay, there's no question about yeah, that. Yes, so obviously. Especially if she's Maribel, that's just entirely obvious. Yeah. yeah. But even if you don't look at any of the he-who CDs, Yukari gay. Yeah. yeah. She big gay bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I'm not sure if there are any other references in the games to Reimu liking girls. I would have to. I don't think there's any other references to Reimu liking girls. No. Uh, I'd probably have to <laughs> sift through it with a fine tooth comb. But there's the antinomy of common flowers thing where. Reimu basically says, well, if we work together, we can become the strongest pair, but that's not really about liking girls, that's just being stupid and gay. Again, kind of by the same rule that applies to the fandom, any kind of slightly flirtatious joke in the games is, or any kind of, any other material is by definition going to be between two girls. Yeah. But you would think that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that has entirely girl casts and most flirtatious jokes aren't, you know, actually flirtatious in any way. Yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. still references to, oh, you should get a boyfriend and stuff like that, even if there are no boys in the setting. Like all idol media. hmm <laughs> Is it time for our 30 minutes of Love Live ranting again? please no yeah i I don't think that's necessary in this episode but um like aside from just reimu there is also minor references to marisa being gay in the games again embodiment of scarlet devil where she talks about how reimu is her favorite thing in the world and also like the part in lotus land story where reimu and marisa go on a date yeah in the ending (laughs) they wear their fanciest clothes and go out together how do you interpret that as not a date? Sure, you could interpret it as like a play date or whatever. That's just like, you know, you could say there's no romance there. You would be a fool, but <laughs> you certainly could say that. But you can't really argue that this is like not something that could be interpreted in a gay way. Yeah. And also just the fact that they're like, you know, dressed up in their nicest clothes for each other. It carries pretty heavy signifiers that, you know, they're on a date. They're going on a date. I personally just go through my closet for... The finest stuff I wear just to hang out with friends, uh, you know, just gals being pals, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> I only put on my finest clothes to hang out with my gal pals. When I go and grab a coffee at some cafe with my friends, I'm definitely going to put on my best clothes, <laughs> my most gorgeous dresses. Even if Raymond's best clothes kind of look really tacky, I'm sorry, Raymond. <laughs> okay, Raymond is not very fashionable. It's okay. That's why she wears her shrine maiden outfit all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who bought Kid Raymond's clothes? Rinosuke, probably. Yeah, like I'm sure Yukari or Rinosuke supplied her. They were. They might have been hand me downs. And I mean, does Rinosuke really seem like the type to be an expert in this field? <laughs> Yeah, but she probably got to make some choices, too. I mean, Marisa met Rinosuke before she was even learning star magic, and she had strong onions. Yeah. And speaking of Lotus Land Story, there's also the cover for Lotus Land Story, which... (laughs) It's so soft. It's so cute and soft. It's my favorite game cover of 
any Toho game. Well, most of the game covers are just picture of Gruff. The PC-98 ones are really special, and I, I kind of wish that Zen brings that back. I think that Story of Eastern Wonderland looks like an awkward family photo. <laughs> it's really <laughs> cute. But yeah, the Lotus Land story cover art features Marisa just kind of taking a nap in Remus' lap. And Remus <laughs> smiling down at her gently. Yes, it's really cute. And, you know, that's just like another thing that you can point to. At this point, I think we're like, we've pointed to the stuff that is just un- obvious, undeniable evidence that Remus likes girls. Mm-hmm. And I think now we're sort of getting into the territory of subtext. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of subtext. There is so mm. much gay subtext in Toho. <laughs> there's like, you know, all of the covers for like Strange Cow and Curiosities of Lotus Asia that all feature Raymond and Marisa cuddling in some way, holding hands, being very affectionate towards one another. Just little gal pal things. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously just a lot of their interactions in like Horned Hermit, for instance. The text repeatedly and very often shows Raymond and Marisa being very close to each other, being very affectionate towards each other. They slept in the same futon more than once. Yeah. I think for a long time it was canon that Raymond only had one futon. Yes. Uh, which... <laughs> She finally got a second futon in the, whatchamacallit? Lotus Eaters? Yeah. So her wife can stay at the shrine for more nights. Yeah. Because futons aren't honestly that comfortable to share with someone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as of Lotus Eaters, Remu finally has enough money to afford a second futon. But before that, I believe... She only had the one, and Marisa has definitely spent the night many, many, many times, so they've definitely shared a bed together. And this isn't really something that requires a particularly deep reading to (laughs) see and understand. Yeah, I guess the one big, like, criteria is that what kind of requirements would you be giving, like, a straight ship in any kind of media? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, they could be sharing a bed as best friends, but if a piece of media had a guy and a girl sharing a bed, they would be assumed to be dating. It would undeniably be a romantic thing. Mm-hmm. Or at least it would definitely be played as a romantic thing, whether the characters themselves felt that way for each other. Especially if it's passing without comment, which is what almost all the stuff is just treated as a very like naturalistic thing rather than something to make a comment about it. So very, um, like, sorry, like to talk a little bit about the subtext aspect of it, the subtextual covers and art and so on is very consistent in how it treats these relationships. The characters aren't just being tossed up together in poses like you might see for another series. You've got Raymond and Marisa, <laughs> you've got Komachi and Kasen, it's very... Tenshi and Shion. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, Tenshion, the uh, Yuka Yuyu. The stuff right there is very, like, the relationships are very consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like Tenshi and Shion are old friends or anything either. So you can't mm. use that as an excuse. Yeah. We spent, like, a lot of time talking about Raymari, and, like, this isn't limited to just Raymari. There is a whole lot of, like, subtext and, honestly, text in other pairings as well in Toho in the canon. I still think it's a crime that Komakase is so uncommon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that, like, Azuma is going out of her way to push it a bit. Thank you, Azuma. Yeah. Yes. You are the pioneer of Toho. <laughs> With Tenshian and everything, Horned Hermit was kind of a goldmine for this stuff. Oh my god, yes it was. Oh Horned, god, Wild yeah. at Horned Hermit is super, super gay. All of the chapters of Komachi just kind of flirting with Kasen. There's real messy X's action. Very, very unambiguously flirting with Kasen, I think. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know... Nobody comes out and uh, like pauses the screen and is like, hey, so you notice that these characters are flirting, right? But if I was in that situation and... I would think I was being flirted with. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And I have a notoriously high standard for thinking I'm being flirted with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like in particular the scene where like Komachi like sticks her head through Kasen's window and is like talking to her and Kasen is like why are you standing at my window anyway and Komachi is like 
I was planning on just like coming in through the window and being super cool, but the window's too small. (laughs) (laughs) That's just so cute. Yeah, that was such a cute and funny scene. We should also probably mention that Zoon respects gay people. I'll get to that after all of the shipping and subtext and stuff talk. Zoon said gay rights. (laughs) Zoon did say gay rights. Wild and Horn Hermit, obviously a goldmine for this stuff, especially Komakase and Tenshion, but also there is just... Forbidden Scrollery is Kosuzu's gay crush monologue. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, yeah. You're enamored with yokai, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, mo- most of them are just her crushing on everyone else, but... Mm-hmm. But it still means that Kosuzu gay. Yeah, yeah. and obviously there's a- Akisuzu. Yeah. Which is also getting some high-profile representation right now mm-hmm. in Gensokyo of Humans. Yeah. Is the official title now, I suppose. <laughs> You're translating that, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, so check that out on chirikiden.tumblr.com. I'm just going to plug that every time for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we are sponsored by chirikiden.tumblr.com. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I guess that's partially true, actually. <laughs> yeah, on some level. Well, um, we're not sponsored by it if we're not being paid, are we? Well, like, the Tumblr blog is not responsible for the financial success of this podcast. I guess that's true. <laughs> but I mean, if I choose to identify myself as a regular Tumblr and... I'm, and I'm paying for part of the money that goes into this podcast, and I suppose I'm sponsoring this. Yeah, but you're not being paid for blogging, are you? <laughs> no, true. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> anyway. Wouldn't that be anyway. The Forbidden Scrollery doesn't have too much like actual shipping content in it on the same level that Wild and Horn Hermit does. But that's mostly um, because it's based around a kid. Yeah, and also it doesn't really have the same kind of... Focus, it's not a slice of life. It doesn't have those same chapters where people are just hanging out and making food and not much else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Most chapters, even the sliciest of life ones, include intrigue of some sort. I still <laughs> think that the Raymari stuff and Forbidden Scrollery is really good, though. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. There's definitely lots of little moments in Forbidden Scrollery with Rainbow and Marisa that you can point to to show their, you know, deep affection for each other. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the apex of this is definitely chapter 37 of Wild and Horned Hermit, which <laughs> I've talked about before, but is just absolutely outstanding. And it's sort of... Women be caring about each other. Women be committing acts of tender. <laughs> I think that's become the one chapter that everyone on this podcast can quote by, like, the chapter title number. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I can quote 35 too, because I like to call it Wild and Horned Hermit provides an excellent representation of messy exes. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yukari and Kasim have definitely some kind of background drama, but like chapter 37 of Wild and Horned Hermit is definitely one of those things where you can take a look at it and think of it from the perspective of if this was a straight couple, like this whole chapter would be interpreted as unambiguously romantic. Yeah. It's just like very, very, very gay. The sheer amount of affection that they show for each other, even in the first few pages, where they're kind of teasing each other about staying the night or leaving and like you're just trying to get me to stay to do work in the morning when the snow falls that kind of thing down to like the panel where marisa is like whispering something into reimu's ear while holding her arm and reimu's just like ear incorrigible <laughs> is that how you say that word incorrigible mm. incorrigible yeah like corrugated cardboard <laughs> yes incorrigible <laughs> I'm going to encourage all of you. You all are very encourageable. <laughs> I'm encouraging Marisa right now. But, like, that's lesbian activity. That's flirtatious behavior. <laughs> like, there's no real way around that. It's obviously, like, a subtext thing, but, like, you know how to read, right? Like, you can look at this and, like, comprehend the meaning behind the very surface layer. Everything that deals with romantic tenderness in Toho, or even just, like, emotion, like intense emotional tenderness is lesbian. Like, in terms of what it would be like if you treat it as a romantic relationship. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even, like, the bad breakup stuff is... <laughs> 
still gay. Probably they are. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing to remember, I guess... Well, first of all, like, speaking of just reading comprehension exercises... Mary. Yeah. <laughs> there's the Hifu Club CDs, which are just... Like, if you read those, you can't really avoid the fact that Renko and Mary... I'll have a great time in Tokyo because I'm with you, Mary. Yeah, like, they, they, they use, like, tropes. They use romantic tropes. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no real way to read the Hifu CDs and come away from it without sort of accepting that Renko and Mary are girlfriends, I think. You ever think that even in the murder mystery CD, there's a girl who gets so entranced by another girl that she gets entirely soaked by the rain because she was standing there staring at her? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think about that a lot, actually. <laughs> The Hakurei Shine Maiden's power is too great, regardless of which Hakurei Shine Maiden it is. And, like, even just down to the fact that in the Hifu CDs, like, Renko and Mary, like, go to bed together. Well-established romantic trope. <laughs> also just a thing that couples do. Like, you can't really take a look at all of this stuff altogether and really say that it's impossible. Nobody in Toho is gay. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's just overwhelming levels of sub. Like, even aside from just, like, the canon, actual, just straight-up textual evidence of Reimu liking girls, <laughs> there is plenty to suggest throughout all of Toho that a lot of the other characters are also gay. And I think it's important to also consider that Zun is heavily inspired by Izumi Takemoto, who did write a lot of Yuri. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if Zun is unfamiliar with Yuri tropes. Yeah, and so he knows what he's communicating. <laughs> right. He knows what he's up to. Whether he like actually talks about it or not, like it's very clear that like, you know, he's not unaware of what he's doing. I was struck with the temptation to make like an anime Maru joke, but I think I decided against it. We should probably discuss that one more seriously. I'm leading up to it right now actually because Oh. The reason we're building it up like this is that you know, there's all this undeniable evidence in Toho canon itself, and just the fact that Zun definitely knows what he's doing with this writing. Like, he's not accidentally making these girls gay. Yeah, he knows what he's about. Yeah, and, and there's a trend online of people reacting to... People drawing gay Toho stuff, or talking about gay Toho stuff. Yeah, not to, like, drag, you know, Twitter drama or whatever onto a podcast, but... I mean, it's not just Twitter drama, it's just basically the whole internet. It's basically just 4chan backlash against lesbians existing. People think lesbians are hot until they remember that they're actually not attracted to them at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's this trend of people linking to a supposed Zun interview when the discussion of gay characters in Toho comes up in an attempt to sort of shut down the discussion by citing this Zun interview, (laughs) quote-unquote. That says, As per canon sources, no Toho character is gay. That's my final answer on the subject. It's an Anime Maru interview. Yeah, and Anime Maru... Anime Maru is the weeb onion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With according quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like literally a satirical website that is not... Like, it's not a real interview. They did not actually have a conversation with Zun where he talks about how he designed Toho by taking every vague archetype he could find, which is yokai, all that sort of stuff, slapped together a drawing in two minutes, and that is how I filled out the rest of the game's roster. Because first of all, that's not even how Zun designs his games. Yeah, you want to pick some other choice quotes from the interview? Because it's all really stupid. Yeah, with the interview itself, at least it's just like poorly done, like clumsy satire, but... People pick that one particular line and don't show the rest of the interview being completely just nonsense. Yeah, but that's the thing. At least the interview is like obviously satire. It might not be like good satire or anything, but... It's better than most satire, unfortunately. But the point is that anyone trying to like quote it as an actual argument is either like literally not reading it or checking where it's from. Or just, like, intentionally misrepresenting it. Yeah. I think intentional misrepresentation is the more likely outcome. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people, I think, who just use it as a cudgel maliciously to try to shut down 
like shipping talk or whatever. They don't want to talk about the fact that girls be gay. <laughs> and like I've seen this goddamn article so much and it's exhausting to have to constantly be like this is like not a real actual interview that happened. This is like nonsense that somebody wrote because they thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about it in the context of this discussion because like everything about Zun as a person and the way he writes and the things that he has indicated about himself, like this is not a thing that he would ever say, first of all. Yeah. yeah. First of all, he would never say as per canon sources because no, yeah, that's kind <laughs> yeah. of subjective in Toho. Right. Yeah. Also, that's kind of a weird thing to say as a as the creator, anyway, when being asked about something. Yeah. yeah, and when you consider Toho's sort of iconic status as this, like, Dojin fanwork generator that Zun supports the, like, Dojin spirit of and encourages derivative works and so on. Well, these people don't actually know anything about Toho. The people who are citing this interview, they just want to do highly sexualized fan works with the characters. Like, it's very obvious that Sun would never say something like this one way or the other, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Huh. He won't ever come out and say all Toho's are gay. He won't ever come out and say Toho's aren't gay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. on some level, I think the latter is, like, even less likely. Yeah, the latter is much less <laughs> likely, but neither are yeah. very likely. Yeah, yeah. I think. basically. Zun, of course does you know support gay rights mm-hmm, right he's prevented people he's been talking with from doing homophobic jokes for example mm-hmm. the other thing i wanted to point to was that there there was this event that happened in 2012 yeah 2012 like a gathering of various internet people and like dojin people i guess mm-hmm. it was like an event held by like some radio show, maybe? The details aren't too important. There was just an event held where Zun was, along with various other internet people. And Zun kind of talked about his own life a little bit. The main takeaway from the sort of, like, notes on this event was that at one point, the people that he was speaking with were making homophobic jokes, and Zun supposedly got very serious and was like he said that gay jokes are disrespectful to real gay people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. literally did say gay rights. Yeah, if you want an actual legitimate source of Zun's views on gay people, like there you have it. He takes it pretty seriously apparently. He doesn't think that like homophobic jokes are very appropriate. Yeah, which matches with his stances on other things like immigration and disability rights. Mhm. Yeah, and all of that. Like he is absolutely not really the kind of person that the anime Maru satirical interview presents him as. I think there's something interesting sociologically about that interview too, or the fake interview, is that you know you don't see that happen for like other fandoms for Japanese works that have a whole lot of lesbian themed art. It's not something like that you're going to see for Bandori or for Kantai Collection or something like that. Nobody feels the need to actively deny it or create this fake alternate version where there's nothing gay about it. Yeah. You know, I think that speaks to how gay Toho is, that people have to actively take the gay out rather than just pretend it's not there. Yeah, it's not like unusually like consistent about keeping it as a subtext and theme Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. obviously i do think that a huge part of that is just the fact that everyone is getting in sokyo is a meme i think that people get defensive over the fact that their favorite waifus could possibly be gay because in bandari and stuff like that they obviously realize that they're being catered to as straight dudes by the piece of media itself but in Toho, they're just not... Yeah, like, Toho doesn't really have the same trappings as an idol game or whatever, where... Yeah, the same type of people, unfortunately, like to cling to it that cling to idol games, but it really isn't that. The situation in Toho is entirely different, and the relationships between characters in Toho are in a much different context than the ones in an idol game. 
they're actually respected for one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you have a situation like that, then the meme about everyone being gay is kind of given more weight and credence. And I think that really is the main reason that mm. there is such a backlash against it. Yeah, it makes people really defensive. Yeah, and, you know, Zun's writing, you know, we point out that he uses a lot of elements from Yuri manga and so on when he's writing, but uh, it's also interesting what he chooses to leave out. If you looked at Wild and Horned Hermit outside of the Toho context, you could think of it as a slower burning Yuri manga. <laughs> right, and and what's interesting is that there's a lot of stuff that he just deliberately elides from his version of it. There's not a lot of class S kind of stuff, and although the context is different, there's none of the like, I think, guess you could think of it as like the safety bars that a lot of LGBT themed stuff that's aimed at a potentially straight audience kind of puts in place to allow it to be mm-hmm. plausibly deny the full-on homosexuality that's uh, about yeah, to like be gay but not too gay yeah. yeah you must be this gay to enter yeah there's no safety yeah. bars for toho writing it's just relatively low-key so you're not forced to deliberately confront the fact that you know kasen had a bad breakup with yukari and a somewhat better one with suika and is now having a thing with Komachi. Yeah. I think that because of that, it's a lot easier for people to sort of just ignore that it's happening until it gets thrown in their face with, like, a particular character that they like. Yeah. Like, a lot of people were really weird about Tenchi, and then they threw a fit about Tenchi on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I really like subtext in stuff that I read. I don't necessarily need to be directly catered to with flashing neon signs. Like, I'm perfectly happy with a work that respectfully can have a very, like, respectful subtext between two girls that is, like, romantic in nature, and Mm -hmm. you can read it that way. It doesn't hold your hand, really. Honestly, do you want my spicy hot take? Sure. (laughs) Toho is more respectful of lesbian relationships than a lot of actual Yuri that's written by men. If that's a spicy take, then I don't know what, uh, that's, yeah, that's a agree completely, yeah. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't even read a lot of Yuri, and even to me that sounds kind of obvious. <laughs> One of my favorite things that I've been reading recently is, the English name is, I think, A Tropical Fish Yearns for Winter, or no, Yearns for Snow, and the Japanese name is Nataigyo wa Yuki ni Kogareru, and it's a very clearly like a story about the relationships between two girls and talk like uh, like the loneliness that they experience and so on it is in my opinion a lesbian story i think it's probably headed in that direction but for now it's content to sort of sit purely in the realm of subtext and it's very good at that like in that the subtext isn't there for plausible deniability it's a story about their relationship developing yeah in a way that is more subtle than maybe like a character having an internal monologue about how they've fallen in love with another girl or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching uh, Girls and Panzer fairly recently. You know, it's like a lot of the side characters are very obviously in romantic relationships with each other, but they're not Mm -hmm. at the core of the story, so the story doesn't present that directly. It's just treated fairly implicitly, which I like. You know, it feels good to have stuff that's like, got lesbians in it that isn't specifically lesbian media where you can just enjoy another genre without having to feel the need to make it a coming out story or whatever exactly like i do appreciate that toho is a work where there are certainly characters who are unambiguously and canonically gay aka reima reima's relationships aren't necessarily entirely unambiguous yeah um but i do like that Toho is a work where there are characters who are gay, but... It's not entirely centered about around the fact that they are in a romantic relationship. That's the problem that I do have with a lot of work. That a lot of anime and manga that centers around gay characters, because it's entirely about the fact that they're gay. I'm not saying that in the stupid homophobic way, but I mean... The story revolves around the fact that they are in a relationship with somebody of the same gender, and that's basically the entire conceit of the story. 
it's a big part of Toho definitely that whenever it like comes up in any kind of text or subtext, it's always like treated as the norm, if not even the assumption. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just something that you'd expect. Nobody's surprised when Tenchi and Xian show up together, besides the fact that they seem like they wouldn't get along. Yeah. It might also be that I'm just picking the right works, but for the most part, I think even like most of the fanshippers managed to like keep with that theme of like not usually using most of those. Yeah, a lot of modern works are much better at sticking to that theme. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of have to preface everything with not being overly familiar with the Yuri genre outside like Toho shipping. <laughs> Is that I don't remember when I last saw any kind of big deal being made about, you know, the usual but we are both girls or anything. Any of those cliches that imply in any way that it's not like the norm. And if someone is being shy about like a relationship, it's never because of the like lesbianness of it. It's yeah. always just them being shy for other reasons. Yeah, I almost want to say that we're sort of entering an age of eerie where everyone's just kind of past the old school tropes, uh, like, but we're both girls, class S nonsense, all of that. Yeah. What's that term you keep using? Class? Class S. It's an old term from like 20s to 30s. It was a uh, genre of women's fiction in um, Japan at the time, which was about relationships between women. They had a fairly uh, formulaic approach where it was two school school girls fall in love and then they have a relationship throughout high school. And the relationship ends because they both have to get married after graduating. Very formulaic, very, very ritual, and a lot of really early Yuri stuff, like 80s, 90s, just went straight up alongside it. Uh, sorry, what's the way with those exact tropes? Nowadays, we sort of use the phrase class as, as this sort of concept of a relationship between two girls just being like quote-unquote practice or not real. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're just practicing for their future marriage to a man. That's something that a lot of media that's marketed towards straight men actively tries to lean into. Yeah, yeah and it's sort of this idea that they're going to grow out of it. And and I was really terrified that Fire Emblem Three Houses was going to lean into that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thankfully it doesn't. Yes. Thank God for Edelgard von Hressfeld. It's this concept that girls in Ligiri are just practicing for a future relationship with a man and they're going to grow out of it and become normal and properly integrate into society and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, I think there's a current Yuri series that actually is all about deconstructing the myth of normalcy if you decide to stop dating a woman and marry a man even if you're still a lesbian yeah i think it's called run away with me i don't know much about like japanese cultural history in this specific area but i mean in many places obviously the concept is still in a modern context it is going to be yeah like experimentation in college for example is a big trope in the west yeah but like historically speaking there have been like areas and cultures where there was like a it sounds like kind of way too positive to call it a flexible approach to sexuality but that basically what it was that at some point it might have been actually quote normal to for like say uh, young girls to have their first experiences with each other with the assumption that they're going to marry marry men later mm-hmm. that was definitely a cultural thing The idea of straightness in general is a fairly recent invention. Mm -hmm. The idea that you have to be solely heterosexual to count as, you know, a normal human being is definitely fairly recent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and certainly there was definitely a lot of cultures where you could see, like, you know, relationships between younger women being very common and then they grow up and get married to a man for cultural reasons, to have children and so on. In other contexts, too, there's situations or in cultures where you would have the sense that there's a strict split between romantic, passionate relationships and marriage. And so you'd be expected to, you know, have affairs as a matter of course. I feel like for most of human history, marriage was extremely not anything to do with romance at all and was purely for mostly political purposes and consolidating power and yeah all of that nonsense yeah 
Well into the 1800s, even. I mean, most of human history is definitely a pretty wide <laughs> umbrella. That that's probably true by sheer like amount of years that it covers. But especially if you're living in an exogamous society, you can't marry anybody that you know very well at all because anybody you know personally is technically related to you. <clears throat> like, sorry, exogamy is a anthropological term where marriages have to occur outside of the local living group so like this is i think the most immediate example i can think of because i am a very uh uneven reader in this stuff is people in uh my part of north america were exogamous and that each individual village was all part of the same clan structure and so marriages had to take place between people of different clans that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Some marriages are taking place between, you know, communities that are fairly close where you're interacting, and some are taking place with communities where you're 400 miles away. It's too difficult to maintain the sense that marriage should be about passionate romance if that's an expected part of everyday life. Yeah, we've gotten a little bit sidetracked. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a slight bit, as we always do. Yeah, I do think this is definitely a very useful thing to talk about for this episode. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, but... I want to tie it back to the point that I was making, which is that, like, I think we're sort of in this era of Yuri where we're kind of past the old tropes, we're, over, we're done with the Class F stuff, Nakatani... A lot of the authors are extremely gay. Yeah, mm -hmm. Nakatani Neo killed Class S forever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nakatani Neo. Yeah. We're sort of in this era of Yuri where stuff is more introspective and less focused on... It's from the author's own experiences a lot of the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And, like, able to treat the romance as just romance without making a big deal out of the surrounding homophobia or whatever. Yuri without all of the trappings of Yuri. Yeah. Which I think is actually a good thing. I mean, yeah. there's a place for cute high school romances... Sometimes, but sometimes people want to read about people who actually exist, you know? Yeah. yeah. Also, reading about high schoolers feels weirder every passing year. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I honestly can't imagine myself drawing a doujin about high schoolers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No matter how chaste it was. Yeah, like, I don't really have a problem personally with, like, reading a schoolgirl romance. Yeah, but when I think about writing it myself, I'm just like, huh, that would be something that I'd probably not write myself. Yeah. Yeah. I can also, like, generally speaking, romance or otherwise, like, read stories about high schoolers, but there's the nagging feeling in the back of your head that these people are babies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It really depends on the context that these people are high schoolers in. Like, if it's just a coming-of-age story, then obviously the setting is pretty important. But sometimes... The story is just like... You can still do that with college, though. That's true. But sometimes the setting is just kind of like, there's no need for this to be a high school. Like, you could do this story even better, in fact, with adults. I feel like it's there for somewhat unsavory reasons a lot of the time, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, like, obviously it's the thing where you just kind of have to use your judgment and trust your gut on mm -hmm. this because you'll know. It's pretty obvious when something is doing it for weird reasons. Yeah. yeah. I think high school comedy and such being ported to, like, college comedy should be a more common thing mm -hmm. without college comedy being its own weird, usually sexual thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, college comedy... Being entirely based around sex is unfortunate. Yeah. There's so much potential there for just, like, stuff about, you know, people who are... College students are so stupid. Yes. <laughs> They're so stupid. College comedies could be in many ways kind of halfway between a high school comedy and an office comedy. Mm -hmm. That's like a great overlap to hit. In my opinion. Yeah, it lets you yeah. appeal to both your younger and your older readers. Also goes for Yuri and romance. So I think that, um, like, in in this sort of, uh, I guess... I also think there's that this thing with high school, Yuri, is that you feel like you're expected to know that you're gay in high school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the way it shakes out for a lot of people. Yeah. Unless they're forced to come to terms with it for some yeah. reason. Mm -hmm. Read Shimanami Tasogare. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do not really experience that kind of, like, idealized childhood high school romance or whatever. Yeah. Joke's on me. I had, like, five crushes. I had no idea were crushes, and I just thought that I really liked being around these girls. Yeah. Aww. 
she's just so cool, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think in this environment where Yuri is kind of branching out a bit more and becoming more introspective and more content to write stories about gay girls and gay women that can still sort of view it through a subtextual lens, I think this is a very good environment for Toho to being currently yeah mm-hmm. uh. toho could if you squinted at it count as a yuri <laughs> <laughs> yeah you could make that argument but like i do think that like with people's sort of greater understanding of what the possibilities are for content mm-hmm. i think it only would really count as a modern yuri but still yeah i think like now more than ever you can really just take a look at toho and be like oh this is gay these are lesbians let's go lesbians there's some kernel of truth to the everyone is gay in gensokyo meme the kernel of truth is almost the size of the entire fruit (laughs) (laughs) there's a corn of truth to the meme that everyone in gensokyo is gay Yes, Jensen, do you want them to my room? Is your cat going to be a guest on the podcast? <laughs> Say hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. I think that she's just purring now. Aww. A very wonderful contribution mm-hmm. to the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to um, get filtered out as noise. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. It seems a little bit like Toho is getting a... I don't know if it's accurate. I think it's probably more that there's a combination of people are more willing to translate it with a, like, the possibility of gayness. Like, you take a look at the Ichiran and Futo versus dialogue in Antinomy of Common Flowers, where Futo asks Ichiran on a date, and I don't know, it seems to me that, like, five years ago that would not have gotten translated that way. Yeah, it would have gotten translated as something very different. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think part of that can be credited to sort of this greater understanding of what kind of content is possible for Yuri in the first place. Um, People are sort of recognizing Toho as Yuri, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, definitely the big breakthrough would be the ability of people on both sides of the divide kind of to realize that Toho can be gay without that being the entire series. Yeah, I think the people who say nobody's gay in Gensokyo, though, are not doing it just because they think it would overtake the entire series, though. Yeah, definitely not. But I think the people saying it in the context that we've been discussing are kind of in a very malicious sense of the world trolling anyway. Yeah. Like on a more general level of people just thinking or not thinking of Toho in terms of gayness. Right, people that were indifferent to shipping and people that were actively shipping have more of a sense that Toho is a material which where you can ship within it without that being the primary premise, that the primary premise is yeah. something different. I think in like Toho's case, the big divide isn't between like everyone is gay and everyone is straight. It's between everyone is gay and the series just not dealing with romance at all. Yeah, I think that both are right, honestly, because... Yeah, that's the thing. They can coexist. <laughs> everyone is gay and the series doesn't revolve around romance they're both mm. correct yeah. and that's part of what makes Toho so good like i do think that like some part of the like resistance to this idea that toho has like genuinely gay characters in it canonically and can and there are many characters who can be read that way like i think part of the resistance to that does sort of maybe stem from people who are kind of stuck with a more archaic understanding of what yuri entails I think it has to be two girls saying, but we're both girls, and then kissing in a high school hallway. Yeah, and like... It's hard to apply to more like sensitive topics like this, but I mean, Hanlon's Razor does have its uses in this too. What's Hanlon's Razor? I think I might have actually misused that out of memory. Never attribute to malice what can be explained by stupidity, I think. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> It that everyone doesn't have to be like being actively rampantly homophobic. They might just be perhaps slightly homophobic and not thinking about it. How can Rainbow and Marissa yeah. be dating when neither of them wears a sailor uniform? <laughs> <laughs> okay, like okay, one of them has dark hair, one of them has light hair. What else do you need? Is that why people ship Yumemi and Chiri even though one of them is fifteen and one of them is eighteen? Probably. Yeah. Because one of them's wearing sailor uniform. <laughs> How many Toho couples have that dark hair, light hair dynamic? 
all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's common in general. Okay, Yuka Yuyu does not. Both of them have light hair. Yuka Yuyu had dark hair when Yu- Yuko was alive, though. Oh my god. <laughs> Zun has put this over on all of us. <laughs> yeah. Like, Komakase has the dark hair, light hair dynamic, even though they have the same hue of hair. They both yes. have red hair. God. Oh my god. I think this is a kind of a good point to start wrapping up on. Yeah. yeah. This is the we'll thing. wrap up on F's revelation that Toho is a stereotypical Yuri. <laughs> <laughs> We can deal with this epiphany of recording. <laughs> with all the weight it deserves. Yeah, we so firmly established that Toho is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, firmly yeah. established that Zoom is aware that Toho is gay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. See you yeah. whenever the next episode happens. Probably in a week. <laughs> mm. Presumably. Bye. Bye. Maybe in a year. You never know. Bye.